Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. What's going on, Love Tribe? Thanks for tuning in. We hope you're having a wonderful day out there as we come into the end of the summer of 2020, into the fall of 2020, closer to ending 2020. (laughs) I think for most uh, people around the world, it's already fall. (laughs) We just happen to be in super tropical climate, so it's always warm. (laughs) That's true. I always get my seasons mixed up, but... I'm just saying that because if you're having a tough year, and it's been a tough year for some of us, for a lot of us, it's almost over. And I know that's just based on the calendar, but we can set reset now if we want. <laughs> but yeah. certainly uh, at the end of the year, um, we'll be looking forward to to staying present, but but just moving forward positively. And today's conversation with Dr. Terry Freiberg on chronic loneliness is an important one, especially during these times that uh, we're excited to bring to you today. Yes. And Dr. Terry Freiberg studies chronic loneliness through a unique lens of a social psychologist turned lawyer. He's the former assistant professor of social psychology at Boston University and has served for decades as general counsel for more than a dozen Boston social service agencies. He is also an author of quite a few books on chronic loneliness, including his new book, which is titled Surrounded by Others and Yet So alone. And today that is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Terry gives us some great tools to identify why we might be lonely, the different ways that that can manifest in negative feelings and how to work on cultivating better relationships, whether that's connecting again or improving unfulfilling relationships. So we really enjoyed today's show. We think it's important 
and just know that you are not alone and there's got to be someone in your life you can reach out to and just to start that process and of connecting again. And Terry gives us some great tools to do that. So as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. If you want to support the show, you can go to the link in our show notes and buy us a cup of coffee on our Glow Listener page. That helps us produce the show and continue to bring you this free content. We enjoy getting it for ourselves and we hope you find some value in it as well. We won't literally be buying coffee, but it is the cost of coffee <laughs> to donate to us. To Sarah our show. will <laughs> likely use that money to buy coffee that will help her edit there we go. these shows and stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Before we jump into today's interview, we want to tell you about our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show, relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along, but we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. Terry, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. My pleasure indeed. Terry, you've written about chronic loneliness for quite some time now and definitely prior to our current situation with COVID-19 where it is definitely highlighting this issue that many people face. I know I have faced it and continue to deal with uh, my own feelings of loneliness sometimes. So we're really excited to talk to you today about this important topic. And 
we thought maybe a good place to start would be how you see our current situation with the pandemic highlighting things that were already happening with isolation, disconnectedness, a lot of that due to technology, work, modern life. And then we can talk about how we can combat chronic loneliness. Sure. And, and actually, in that introduction, you hit many of the high points. Um, they're not mysterious. And I think we all understand that uh, loneliness is, is part of our lives. But I do want to start with the distinction between everyday loneliness that we all feel from time to time um, and chronic loneliness, uh, which is a, a state, a psychological state of being with enormous impact on health and longevity. There's a big difference, just like we all feel sad from time to time, but that doesn't mean we're clinically depressed. That's a different issue. The frightening part is how much chronic loneliness, the serious kind of loneliness, has grown over the past 40 years, 50 years. In 1990, only about 20% of the United States adult population identified as chronically lonely, by which they meant they had no one to call, no one who would call them, no one to see, no one to hope might drop by, no one. That number grew to 35% by 2010. And we don't have any studies beyond that, but there's every reason to believe it's somewhat more. This kind of chronic loneliness is a function of modern times. In, in traditional society, all of our great-great or great-great-great grandparents, no matter where we came from, lived in villages or, sm or small towns or ethnic neighborhoods of smaller cities. And they knew each other. They grew up around their family, their, including their cousins and second cousins. Uh, you probably didn't play with anyone as a child who your, whose parents were not well known to your parents. It was a very different way of life. Now, modern society, with all its mobility um, and, and uh, both geographical mobility and social mobility, has divided families from one another. Many of us don't live near our cousins, for example, anymore. And that was never the case traditionally. So we've created this phenomenon called chronic loneliness. And the Surgeon General of the United States under President Obama, uh, Vivek Murthy, referred to it as an epidemic of loneliness. Almost ironic, isn't it? Because then, of course, we were hit with a true physiological epidemic, which, as you said, has only added to these issues. It certainly has. And uh, I'd like to maybe talk about this through my own personal experience. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm a mix between introverted and extroverted. Like I enjoy being around others. I'm not like a huge introvert, but um, it's a balance for me. And, and I enjoy time alone. But I've been finding recently... And even before the pandemic, like a real desire to connect on a on a deeper level with with friends. And you mentioned family and just geographically, I'm not close to my family and I have a pretty good relationship with with my parents. And then I have uh, a brother and a sister, but I don't really see them maybe a couple times a year, if that. So I guess where I'm getting at is what would you 
tell a person who's like, oh, you know, I enjoy being alone, which is kind of how I feel. But then it's like there's this fundamental quality of being a human that even as introverted as you might think you are, like I find myself really wanting these deeper connections and then trying for it, but then maybe being a little disappointed makes me feel a bit more lonely and disconnected. And I guess, what would you say about that? And then what are some things I can think about in some ways in which I can try to connect to combat that loneliness? Well, you bring up some major, major issues. Um, first place, um, my 2016 book, Four Seasons of Loneliness, the first line of the book is, this book is about loneliness, not solitude. We're lucky in English to have two words uh, that distinguish um, these reactions to finding oneself alone. Some people live alone on purpose, successfully. We all know the idea of a, of a monk or a, or a Zen Buddhist master living alone on a rock for 40 years. I mean, that can happen. And there are everyday people who live alone and make a good job of it. On the other hand, about half of all people who test out to be chronically lonely come from extreme disconnection. The other half come from backgrounds, and maybe we can talk about this later, where their connections with others are so unfulfilling that subjectively they feel just as lonely as those who are utterly disconnected. But let me take the conversation back a, a step. It's not just we as human beings who feel the need to be connected with others. We're also animals. We're human animals. And the kind of animal we are, the kind of mammal we are, is what anthropologists call a small pod family-linked herd animal. We're a lot like the cetaceans. So those are the seagoing mammals the whales, the porpoises, the dolphins, certain kinds of great apes, certain kinds of other animals, but not too many, where we are built to be, we are literally wired to be connected to others. We get from the parietal lobe of our brain, so that's the ancient animal lobe of our brain, signals about being hungry, about being thirsty, about being fearful, and about being lonely. We feel hunger. We don't think hunger at first, right? We feel hungry and then we think about what we're going to do to get some food. We feel thirsty. We feel afraid and we feel lonely. We don't think lonely. We feel lonely. Just like a deer that's separated on the other side of a street by a car from its pod of, of herd members. So these, this loneliness feeling comes up in us as a safety signal, just like hunger signals or thirst signals or fear signals. So we are deeply driven by our animal selves to be together with others. And on top of this, our human nature, i.e. we cooperate, we coordinate, we have these magnificent language skills that no other animal has. So we get a lot more richness out of being together. There are so many levels to what we gain from one another, not just safety in number like a herd animal, but fulfillment and nourishment and soothing and these phenomena that are extremely important for psychological health. So how to connect with others when there's an issue? What does, are there things one can do about it? And the answer is yes, and we can look at those in detail if you like, but the general point I'd love to make 
Is it just as we know we have to eat smartly and not all that uh, sugary food from the center of the grocery store? Just as we know we have to exercise somewhat, you can't simply sit on your couch and expect to remain healthy. We also need to take care of our relationships. They deserve attention. Just like taking your car in to get it oiled and checked once in a while, same with relationships. And there's some wonderful, wonderful techniques that are available to people to discover where they are in terms of the quality of their connections with others. And secondly, to repair and to extend to new relationships um, if they find that work needs to be done. Would you mind sharing maybe one or two of those techniques for us and, and for our listeners? I'd love to. And it, it, if I may, since I can just say a few words about it in the time we have, if you go to um, my website, thelonelinessbooks.com and click on articles, you'll find an article about that I wrote for that for the website that says chronic loneliness and what you can do about it. So there's there's more depth there. But the main idea is is twofold. First, there I present in uh, in that on that website some uh, self-administered tests one can take to see how you're doing. How are your relationships? Are they healthy and fulfilling and nurturing or are they less than that? You can find that out by answering just 20 questions in two different questionnaires. The second of which allows you to put each of your relationships up to the test and see how fulfilling it is and useful it is and protective it is or not. And then some of the ideas that to the extent any of us, of course, can can improve, can grow, can learn about about how to make our relationships more satisfying, more soothing, more nurturing. There are some techniques involved. I'll just give you one, for example. It's called a, a, a positive relational moment. Just as you might go outside with some sunscreen or, or bug spray, uh, thinking ahead about problems you might come to. It's also useful to think back over some of your friendships and love ships to moments of extraordinary clarity when you felt your love, you, you experienced your friendship with particular poignancy. And, and that moment, store that, remember it, have it on hand. I, when I give uh, lectures on this, um, I can ask the audience to um, focus on a positive relational moment, something wonderful, a magical moment in one of their relationships. And then um, there are measures we can take of, uh, of brain waves and breathing patterns and muscle relaxation. And there is an enormous and important physiological response throughout the room. People's shoulders drop, they relax, they smile. Everybody quiets and slows for a moment. So there's a technique, having a, a PRM, a positive relational moment, a set of them ready. So when a guy yells at you in traffic, just take your mind to that magical time when you and someone dear to you had it just right and think about that. And you'll soon forget the honking rude person who's caused you such tension for a moment. That's a valuable exercise to think about and definitely gets me thinking about a few things. One of them being when we, we focus on these positive relational 
moments is is valuable. And but to me, that's kind of dealing with past relationships and and that may still be present. But what if you're trying to develop new relationships um, and new friendships? And I find that that's something you know I, I be, complain about you know not having friends or being lonely in a sense and we've moved around a lot. So like my childhood friends, I I moved around throughout childhood. And then even now living in Costa Rica, we haven't really had roots. So, so I'm like, I want to make an effort to, to make friends here. And then I find myself getting kind of disappointed and I don't like buy my new friends in a, in a sense, um, where maybe my expectations are too high or, I'm yeah, or I'm I'm just expecting too much from from this relationship. But I I don't even look at it like I'm trying to complete myself and that'll make me happy. But I'm really was trying to cultivate a few relationships and then they kind of fizzled out and then I'm like, well, screw them, you know, like I'm gonna go I'll try to find another friend. So I, I'm kind of in this pattern and obviously COVID doesn't help and um we're not going out and, and meeting new people in that sense, and even getting together with existing friends has its complications. So anyways, uh, what would you have to say about situation um, like I described? Well, exactly. Uh, uh, improving one's connections has to do with a twofold effort to improve the relationships one has and to explore creating new relationships. And you are the sound like the classic example of what I was describing earlier about this world of high mobility, where people have moved away from the city they were born and grew up in and where they lived amongst their family and cousins and friends of family. You're, you're the extreme example in another country. I don't know if you know if you speak Spanish, <laughs> but un poco. So these skills, um, these these friend making skills are implanted in us during our early childhood. And it's interesting to think back about one's childhood. If one had a fully functioning, normal relationship with one's parents or you've raised a daughter, I think you said you had a daughter. Um, When you think back over the number of hugs and kisses and and bruised knees that were soothed and hurt feelings that were discussed, all that nurturing that goes into raising a child, which is literally a million kisses and hugs and snuggles in a healthy parent-child relationship. What's going on there is that the parent is teaching the child how to make, how to love they are literally creating neural connections in the child's brain that are the equivalent of what a let's say a bird is doing when it's teaching its nestlings how to fly they little birds need to fly and learn how to find their particular food um, humans need to learn how to connect how to how to hold oneself out as a potential friend how to how to enter into uh, circles of friends how to deal with rejection when you're not accepted, how to locate the town bully and stay away from him. All of these connective skills come to us from our childhood. And I don't doubt for a moment, given your website that I looked at, that you are really quite skillful at making and keeping friends. And you've placed yourself far from uh, far from uh, home in, in a country where you only speak 
Apoco, a little bit of their language. And at the time of COVID, none of us are meeting new people or even getting together very comfortably with those we already uh, like and love. It's, it, these are very hard times for connection, obviously. So there's no magic answer. Uh, I would say that uh, on the two fronts, what all of us need to do, and that would include you, especially given your sort of extreme isolation from many who you know, it sounds like, is to use the modern media to connect as often as makes sense with those you already know, and to figure out some way, shared activities, for example, to meet new people just to see if you can extend the circle of connections that are so nurturing to each of us, as important as the food we eat and the water we drink. Before we continue on, let's take a break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Uberloop. Uberloop offers long-lasting performance when you want it, then quickly dissipates without leaving a sticky residue. It feels like a nice moisturizer when you're finished. Many people, including myself, often used to say that I never knew lube could be this good. I love the way it makes my body feel, and there's no need to really wash it off. Uberlube is a high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E. The vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes the skin. And I love the feeling when I'm done using it because I'm in the sun all the time and my skin is usually pretty dry. Uber Lube has no flavor or scent and it's completely body safe because it's free from all those nasty additives like parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. I don't even know what that is, but it doesn't sound good and I definitely do not want it on my skin. It stays on the surface of your skin and does not enter your bloodstream like all the other water-based lubes. Right now, they're offering I Do Podcast listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use our code I do at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Be sure to use our code I do at uberlube.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Care of. Care of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. Care of has a ton of amazing products that I'm really excited about, including their new line, the Skin and Hair Collection, that helps you work on your beauty goals from all angles with a combination of targeted ingredients for hair, skin, and nails. And I love how Care of is super transparent about the research and sourcing behind all of their products with extensive product information available on their website. And it's super easy to figure out where to start by taking care of's in-depth five-minute online quiz that asks you questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health concerns to help address your specific wellness goals. I took the quiz online and I loved how easy it was to see the kind of products that I needed to improve my health. Um, they actually sent me a lot of plant-based protein, some probiotics, some magnesium and keratin. So I'm super excited to get on better track of taking my health. So every month I will get a new 30-day supply box shipped directly to my door. And so I never have to worry about running out 
And of course, you can always modify or cancel your subscription at any time. And this is also a big win for me because it costs about 20% less than it would if I was to go to a local health food store. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code IDO50. Again, for 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code IDO50. Have you found through either working with clients or your research that over the last six months during this pandemic that people who might have just been feeling lonely, their loneliness has now turned into chronic loneliness because it's become more aware to them that they don't have those types of relationships. And if so, is there different advice you would give to those people who are struggling with more of the chronic loneliness than you would with maybe the more general population that is, you know, feeling alone, but it's not as intense or as severe? Yes, indeed. Um, that's a really good question because it foresees what a study that was done. We already have a study done by the Kaiser Family Foundation. And it's not good news. About 45% of respondent adults um, say that the pandemic has affected their mental health. And 19% said that it has done so in a major way. Those are, those are large numbers compared to earlier studies pre-pandemic. It's re, this is very much uh, a threat um, to all of us. It, will we survive it? Yes, but it's 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 it is definitely a, a setback in the world of uh, making connections. Let me give you an example by age groups, if I might. Let's start with children. So I mentioned that in in ones in the nurturing behavior of human parents, children learn about the richness of connection. They actually learn that hugging, being hugged by those you love and who who protect and nurture you, releases chemist, chemistry in the brain. The the they're called the endogenous opioids, serotonin. Uh, these chemicals are reward systems in our brain that we get when we eat, when we drink, when we do the things that our animal body want, needs us to do to stay alive. And for humans, that involves attaching these chemical, biochemical rewards to sound and solid relationships. So the next step that kids make after getting, if they're lucky enough to get a good basis in that from loving, attentive, nurturing parents, is they go out in the world and they deal with other children in thousands of non-structured child interactions. All those hours we can all remember on the play field, summertime, um, um, in intermission at school. That's where you learn how to, how to try to make new friends, how to deal with rejection. We all went to high school, right? How to recognize bullies. That's being interrupted. Children are not out able to do that so much. I guess we're wondering if it's safe to put them back in school and different efforts are being made. Um, but there's a, been a, a significant setback in that normal procedure. Secondly, for older people, um, I, for example, am a grandparent who's, who, it, but for one magnificent 11 day period, will no longer be able to see my grandchildren for sort of an indefinite while, because as of, I think yesterday, they went back to 
school. And that means, of course, there's a lot of exposure and uh, their parents, my son and daughter-in-law, would not want um, the virus carried back to um, people of retirement age like myself. So um, both little children and older people are definitely uh, going to be compromised in their um, in their psychological security because their relationship formation is either in the case of older people put off or reduced to uh, media, which are not nothing, but are still a pale copy of getting together and holding a grandchild on your lap as you tell them a family story. Or in the case of children, getting out and learning how to interact with others. So these these are uh, are tough times. And let me say one further thing about chronically lonely people in the middle age group, if you like. Um, for those of us lucky enough to have solid relationships uh, that are uh, nurturing and soothing and and, and helpful, uh, even crucially helpful in our psychological stability, the little everyday relationships are gravy. They are icing on the cake. When the warm hello with the salesperson who always gives you your cup of coffee, um, all those small interactions at the local stores, just hellos to strangers with a given warmth as you pass them on the sidewalk. To, us, to those of us fortunate to have sound relationships, like I say, those are icing on the cake. But someone who's chronically lonely, who has no one at home, and that's about 38% of adults in the United States now live in single person households. Imagine that, 38%. Um, they don't have the basic underlying relationships. They literally rely on these small interactions in everyday life, which are now under COVID greatly reduced. And for a while, we're even sort of non -there, not there as one utterly stayed at home. So for those who, who are chronically lonely, um, it's a dangerous time because this 35, 36, 37% of our population um, has really no interpersonal uh, interaction taking place of any significance. And it's going to be a psychologically tough road for them to hoe in the coming years. What percentage of the people that you would say right now are relating to chronic loneliness translates into clinical depression and, and how, how is that handled? Well, just as you surmise, they are linked, but they're not the same thing. Um, there are people who are not naturally uh, depressive. After all, clinical depression is often um, curable or, or, or one can help it greatly with some of the modern uh, medicines that we have. But that has no help for loneliness. It, it, chronically lonely people feel utterly isolated and alone. Um, the, and there is no, the fact that there is no biochemical uh, medication that can help that indicates how different it is from clinical depression, which is often susceptible to medication. So one of the things I want to address is, you know, you talked about sources of loneliness, one being just the disconnect, but another being unfulfilling relationships. And to me, the disconnect is a bit easier. It's like, hey, reach out to those family members or those friends. And now with COVID, organize a Zoom session. I know I feel better after 
having started to do that about a month ago with my mom, brother, and sister. And as soon as we finish, I just, I feel like recharged. So that's to me a little bit more direct way to deal with the disconnect, but unfulfilling relationships is a bit trickier. And and I've alluded to it a little, but I think a lot of times as adults and busy lives and, and work and family that they can feel a bit superficial, um, especially like if you're a couple and you're friends with another couple, usually one of the partners is better friends and that's why you all get together. And and so they feel a bit superficial and, and unfulfilling. What can you share with our listeners about how to cultivate more fulfilling relationships? I love these questions. These are right on point. I, I just want to make uh, answer two different things that you said. One is the importance of these modern media that allow a visual aspect to the conversation. Humans, and not just humans, the animals we, we come from, do what's called mirroring. And when psychologists refer to mirroring, mirroring um, it, it's a reference to the effort we make to surmise the intent of the person we're dealing with. You can see this in animals, by the way, when you startle a feral animal, like a squirrel all of a sudden sees you, they come to total stillness and attention. And they're looking at you busily trying to figure out whether you are a predator and an active one. So we see that all the time when we run into wild animals. Um, And the amazing thing about the new technologies, Zoom or FaceTime and, and their other electronic equivalents is that in allowing a a simultaneous photograph of the person you're speaking with, your mom, for example, you have all that richness of facial expression and body language. And that's what allows mirroring to take place. We look for signals that people are giving off in how they express what they're saying and how their body is moving. And we're pretty good at it because it comes from millions of years of being animals uh, where we had where our survival depended on a, a good job surmising the intent of the other. So that's an important point. And it's a, a very, very valuable tool um, to get going. Uh, grand parental reading of stories, for example, over Zoom or telling of family stories. But let me go to the other point you raised, which is fascinating. We know that about half of chronically lonely people aren't isolated at all. They're married, they have kids, they have neighbors and colleagues and teammates and lots of others in their lives, but the relationships are unfulfilling. They don't soothe, they don't nurture, they don't provide that protective shield that solid sound relationships do. Well, why not? And what to do about it? That's the topic matter of my current book, um, which is called Surrounded by Others and Yet So Alone. So what is going on? How can we feel that way? If we're all surrounded by others, how can we possibly feel lonely? Well, what what I try to do in the book, and by the way, I tell stories. I don't lecture. I'm lecturing right now, but my books are story books. I take law cases that, that were stories, right? People's lives. They came to me with such and such an issue to work on for them. And I tell their story in story format. So it's they're fun to read if I, I, unless the folks on Amazon are all crazy, but people seem to enjoy the read, but there are lessons in the read. 
And one of the lessons, the principal lesson in the current book, Surrounded by Others and Yet So Alone, is about the five principal ways in which connection turns into misconnection. And I can list them out quickly for you. If there's time, we can talk yeah, about them. Please. People can be too busy. I tell the story of a wonderful little boy whose parents were each too busy to make him feel fully loved. As he put it, I know my mom loves me, but she does love the way a flashlight that, that's just about to run out of batteries does light. It's just a glow. It doesn't help you see in the dark. Only a 10-year-old could put wow. it that brilliantly. <laughs> um, and another a faulty connection is a one-way connection. Sometimes people get into relationships for different purposes. One person's looking for love. The other person's looking for security, whatever. And there's a, a fundamental uh, misconnection if they're involved in the same relationship for very different purposes. And I have a fun story on that in the book. Another type is fraudulent connections. Sometimes people enter relationships based on fraud. And the best example is that over 20% of current U.S. relationships are formed online. And in the, just under 50% of the basic information that people put online on dating sites about themselves is manipulated and untrue. So something like 20% of our current relationships are based on terrible fraud. Somebody said, forgot to mention that they, I don't know, robbed a bank early in life or that they were, uh, you know, had, uh, they're cruel to animals or I don't know what, but they're not being open with the other party. That's an explosive state of affairs and Achilles heel to the relationship that when that hidden piece of information comes forward someday can explode the relationship. Another, the fourth way is tenuous relationships. Some relationships are unsecure, they're uncertain, it's not clear. People leave you wondering, are they gonna just not call me anymore? They haven't called in two weeks, I don't have any confidence they still care about me. That kind of tenuousness in relationships. I have a wonderful story on that in the book. A little girl whose mother suddenly died, she was a six-year-old, and, and the father in her life was her, was a unmarried stepfather who had, who therefore had no legal relationship with the child at all. And he came to me for legal help trying to get the court to grant him custody of that child. But the point is the six-year-old child had just lost her mother and now faced losing her other parent. So that's a kind of tenuousness in relationships that's enormously um, uh, hard on on the kind of confidence that one needs to have in relationship to fully invest. And finally, there are dangerous connections, dangerous relationships. And I have a, a very interesting story that involves spousal abuse. Um, a local uh, baker who I loved her bakery, bakery shop, uh, the bread would be great and then it'd be awful, great and then awful. Mm -hmm. And finally, thick headed me figured out that this, this baker was clearly abused at home because when her bread was terrible, she was wearing great big sunglasses, way oversized. And of course they were hiding black eyes from what was going on at home. So I figured out a way to get involved, to try to be helpful, to, to um, get her out of this dangerous relationship and get my favorite bakery back into working order. So those are five of the ways in which re uh, relationships um, 
are flawed and and render uh, the participants unsatisfied by their relationship. Well, Terry, we could probably do a podcast on each of those alone and have a lot of value there, but you've given us a lot of great things to think about today. And before we wrap up, is there anything you want to leave with our listeners or something you want to highlight for someone listening who is dealing with loneliness or chronic loneliness? And then we will say goodbye. Sure. And it's nothing other than the sort of obvious summary of what I've been saying. Your relationships to other people are just as important as having adequate food and water and safety. That's how, that's what we're talking about. That's the level of importance. So just as we've all somewhat struggled to gather uh, food in the early days of COVID and, um, and we all appreciate the importance of, uh, of safety and our water supply. We also need to think about our connections. And there are things you can do to check out the quality of your connections to others and to do something about it. And of course, in uh, half an hour um, broadcast, there's not much I can say, but if you take a look at the stories in the book, I th- the two books, I think you'll uh, readers find them both fun to read and full of information about how to reach out to others, whether it be existing relationships that need revivification or new relationships that need courage to reach out and expose oneself to rejection. But the important thing is to keep thinking about your connections just as you do about your food and your water and your exercise and your safety. Well, thank you so much, Terry. We'll have the links to your books as well as your website, thelonelinessbooks.com and that article you mentioned where our listeners can go and take that quiz and and find out uh, more about um, where they stand on, on their loneliness. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Um, and we would you know, love to have you back again to, to keep talking on these uh, really important topics. I'm readily available and I thank you both. And it has been my honor to participate. Hey, Love Tribe. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the important links are on the show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And while you're over there, we hope you check out our 14 day happy couple challenge, as well as all the free resources we have on our website. And thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.